Thank you for joining us for another podcast from Covenant Community Church. And now, today's message from Senior Pastor John Mark. Acts chapter 1, verse 8. Acts chapter 1, verse 8. Let's start right there, and then we'll go to chapter 4. I'm going to go ahead and start reading. Acts chapter 1, verse 8 says, but you shall receive power. Somebody shout power. No, no, no. I want you to shout power like you got some, not like you had some. So let's do that again. No, no, wait. Y'all just too early. All right. And you shall receive power. Somebody shout power. Power. All right. Now you're getting your engines revved up. We're going to do that one more time because I want you to sound like you got something in you today. Because you are going to be put in situations where you're going to feel like a weakling. And sometimes you're going to have to stir yourself up depending on the situation that you're in. And depending on how life hits you and the vicissitudes of life, they can come at any given moment. And sometimes you got to stir yourself up so that you can be strong in the Lord. Come on, somebody. Somebody shout power. Power. And the Bible says, and you shall receive power. (laughs) I like that word. Don't that feel good? Let's do that one more time. Somebody shout power. Power. Come on, put your hand on your stomach and shout power. Power. Say, stir it up in me, Lord. Glory to God. See, you are forced to be reckoned with. See, when you got that kind of power, the enemy get nervous. Right? He said, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you shall be witnesses, not go witness. He said, you shall be witnesses. To me in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. No matter where you are, you can operate in this power. Now go to Acts chapter 4, verse 32. So we got the power, right? The Holy Ghost has come upon us. Now we got the power. But look at verse 32. Check this out. It says this. Now the multitude of those who believed were of one heart. Somebody say one heart. And one soul. Somebody say one soul. So in other words, saints of God, they were in unity in their diversity. They came from all tongues, tribes, and nations, but they were, uh, they were organized under one anointing. It was not under one man. It was under one God. Because the anointing comes from God. That there are going to be men in the pulpit and women in the pulpit, but the anointing don't come from them. The anointing comes from God. So the anointing and the unity has to come from God. And anytime we get any of that out of order, that's why we can have racism in the church. Because God is not running the church. Man is running it. But when you put God in his perspective place, then we know that we can unify under one anointing. And it doesn't matter where we came from. We all have value. We all have an anointing on our lives. We all have a divine destiny on our lives. And we can make a difference in this world. It doesn't matter what anybody has said to you or about you or what they have done to you. You can make a difference in the world if you stop believing in your past and start reaching for your future. Amen. 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 Glory to God. I'm fired up. Y'all better get with me. Come on. Catch up to me. He said, one heart and one soul. Neither did anyone say that any of the things he possessed was his own. So in other words, they took care of each other. We got to take care of each other in the house. Amen. Stop talking about one another and just take care of each other. Somebody has need, help them. Somebody's sick, help them. We got to help each other. And and instead of bickering against each other, this kind of stuff is, this is what tears the church up. See, when you put your mouth on the saints of God, you put your mouth on your brother and sister. It doesn't matter what the marquee says outside. If you put your mouth on the church down the street, you're talking about your brother and your sister. Amen. Don't worry about what they're doing in there. What are you doing? Well, they ain't doing it right. Who told you you were doing it right? I don't like what they're doing in there. Well, what are you doing? How many people are you bringing to the Lord every week? How many people are coming to you to be fed? Okay. All right. All right. I see. You see how quiet they got, Caleb? You got me, bro? Okay. All right. They got quiet. I'm going to say, I better start reading the word again. Praise the Lord. But they had all things common. Isn't that amazing? 
This is the book of Acts. They had all things common. You know, we have more things in common than we do not. You know, we got a lot of stuff in common. If you just break down and just start talking to people, it doesn't matter where they came from. It doesn't matter if they came from Australia, they came from India, if they came from Taiwan, Russia. It don't matter. If you just break down and start talking to people, you'll see we got more stuff in common than we do that's different. But if we're so stuck in our own culture and don't talk to other people, then that makes us limited. Don't, don't, don't live a limited life. Finish strong. And you finish strong by going to other people and talking to other people, especially those that don't look like you. Yeah, I just happen to be the one. I'm going to break this stuff up in the house of God. Because this is where it has to start first. Right? Amen? All right, let's read verse 33, because this is where I want to get to. It says, and with great power. Somebody say great power. power. See, first it gave you power, then it gave you great power. Notice that this thing is increasing. So saints of God, you're not getting weaker, you're getting stronger. So we got to start acting like we're stronger. Hold your head up high. Yeah, you got things that happened in your life and stuff has hit you that, that really you were not expecting. That has happened to all of us. But listen, I live in the now. And I'm going to take the now and live the best life I can live when? Right now. Amen. Hello, somebody. So you have great power. Look at your neighbor and say, you got great power. You got great power. See, you have great power. He said, and with great power, the apostles gave witness to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus and great grace was upon them. He's given you great power and you have great grace. What are you complaining about? He gave you great power, and he's given you great grace. Take what you got and use it, saints of God. Amen. Can I give you another scripture? Because I'm real excited. All right. So I've already started preaching, if you're waiting. This is about the best it's to get right here. <laughs> Praise the Lord. So go to 2 Corinthians chapter 9. So I think I have it up here. I do. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 8. Let's read this really quickly here. Mm, 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 mm. But this is some good eating right here. Check this out. Second Corinthians chapter 9, verse 8 says, And God is able. Somebody say he's able. And God is able to make all grace abound towards you, that you always have an all sufficiency in all things. Do I need to read that one more time? Listen, listen, listen. I know sometimes when you look at your finances and you go, Lord, have mercy. Right? But listen, don't, don't worry about that. It's going to be all right. It's going to be okay. God says, and God is able to make all grace abound towards you, that you always have an all-sufficiency in all things, may have an abundance for every good work. Because this abundance that he's talking about is not in the natural. This is in the spirit so that when things in the natural is falling apart all around you, you have great grace on the inside of you that says, I know all hell is breaking loose around me, but on the inside, I'm intact. Amen. Amen. So in other words, all of this stuff, that's why people, when they look at you and you're a Christian, they go, man, you got all of this stuff going on. Why are you still smiling? Because you don't understand, I got something on the inside that helps me with everything on the outside. Because as a Christian, we don't live our lives from the outside in. We live our lives from the inside out. He said, I wish above all things that you prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. So in other words, God wants you to prosper on the inside so you'll learn how to handle prosperity on the outside. See, when you prosper on the inside, everything can be falling apart on the outside. But on the inside, you take joy because joy is not something that happens because of outside stimuli. That's happiness. Happiness changes when something that is happening changes. Hello, somebody. But joy is on the inside. For the Bible says, for the joy that was set before Jesus, he endured the cross. I don't believe Jesus was happy about going to the cross, but he took joy that he was going to be back with him his father if he obeyed him 
See, you don't have to be happy about going through stuff. You don't have to be happy about suffering. You don't have to be happy about pain in your body. You don't have to be happy about things happening in your family. But you can take joy that you know Jesus is on my side. And that you can endure if you just hang in there. Amen. The Bible said, don't get weary and well-doing because you shall reap if you faint not. Come on, saints of God, because I have learned that sometimes when the fight gets the greatest is when I'm closest to my miracle. And that's the time that the enemy wants you to give up. But you can't give up. Like Elder said last Sunday, you got to push. At the time when the pain gets the greatest, you got to push. Amen. So as I've been studying this thing about grace, I came up with a definition from the stuff, and I've never seen this definition before, so I just took my study notes, and I, and I came up with this definition of what we have been studying. It says, grace is the power and the ability of God operating through us so we can effectively work in whatever capacity he calls us to do his will. Yeah. Yeah. See, I know you thought grace was just for you to, you know, when you sin, then you just come to the altar and receive grace. That's just a small part of what grace is. This is what grace is. Grace gives us the ability to operate and do the will of God. Huh? Oh, y'all ain't happy about that, right? Gives you the ability to do his will? Are you, are you happy to have that? Are y'all still chewing on it? Okay, you're processing? Okay, my, my, okay, let me, can I, can I go on then? Okay, it is the divine authority, divine authority needed for us to be properly sanctified in the Lord, and it helps us overcome different types of sins, addictions, and temptations. That's what grace is for. Grace is not a get-out-of-hell-free card. Grace is for us to advance the cause of Christ. Hello, somebody. So from our message last uh, week from John chapter 1, we learned that Jesus was full of grace and truth, but he never used grace to get out of sin because he never sinned. So if Jesus was full of grace, but he never sinned, why did he use grace? Let me let you process that one, too. <laughs> to advance the cause of Christ. Amen. So Jesus came to do the will of his father and reveal who his father was. Right. So when the father is revealed, things in us are revealed. Right. So Jesus came to reveal his father and the intentions of his heart so that we can see what the father looks like so that we receive Jesus so that we can be with the father. I can say that one again. Amen. Y'all want me to do that one again? OK. So Jesus came to reveal his father, God. Right. In so doing, he reveals his father to us so that we can receive Jesus so that we can get to the father. Because no man can get to the Father but by Jesus Christ. Now, you can't, get to, you can't get to God just by going to church. It doesn't matter what religion you are a part of. Until you get to Jesus, that's the only way you can get to God. Right? He's the only one that says, I am the way. Buddha is not the way. Sun Yun Moon is not the way. You can't get there through them because they are not the way. Jesus is the only one that died for all of mankind. Buddha never died for anybody but himself. Muhammad never died for anybody but himself. But Jesus died for the whole world. Come on, somebody. And so through Jesus, all of us get to Jesus in a different way. But you got to get to him first. And once you get to him, then you can get to God. I didn't write the book. I just teach from the book. Amen. If you don't like that, I, I didn't write it. Take it up with God. That is the gospel message. That's the good news. That's the news of a hope. That's the only thing that kept me from drinking. Positive confession didn't help me. I needed somebody better than me that was more sovereign than me that I could receive in my life so that I can change. Amen. And the Holy Ghost is not going to raise anything that's not dead. You got to die to your flesh so the Holy Spirit can come up alive inside of you. That's the best definition I can find based on what I have discovered. See, Jesus demonstrated a grace-centered life when he was tempted in Matthew chapter 4 and Luke chapter 4. You guys remember when he was tempted in the wilderness? He lived a grace-centered life. He would do nothing for himself. He refused to make stones into bread. He would do nothing of himself. He would, not, uh, he would not cast himself down from the temple. And he would do nothing with himself because he committed to his father's purpose and not doing the will of another. 
So he was committed for, of, and with himself. And in Romans 5 last week, we learned that where sin, where, where sin abound, come on, come on, you guys that were here last Sunday, where sin abound, say it. Where sin abound, grace does what? Much. See, the grace is always above sin. See, where sin abound, grace does much more abound. So in other words, saints of God, sin can't take you where the grace of God can't pull you out of. So no matter where you are, no matter what you've done, the grace of God covers everything and can pull you from the miry clay and set you on a rock to stay. Oh, y'all ain't excited about that. All right, I'll take that one for myself then. Amen. And so, so this is what the grace of God is. So, so, and though we may utterly be cast down, the Lord's grace will uphold us in his heavenly hands. Come on, somebody. So write this down. Even though grace covers our sins, we are not to abuse grace to stay in sin. Even though grace covers our sins, we are not to abuse grace and stay in sin. So a lot of times people just do stuff because they know God's grace is going to come and take them out of stuff. But at what point is God going to give up on you? At what point does it become you willfully sinning? There's a difference between falling into sin and willfully sinning. Amen? Amen. So listen, I'm giving you the word, guys, and I'm just trying to keep your souls. Because it's just it's some of the teaching that I see out here in these churches today. Man, it's just too much greasy grace. It's too much fluff, not enough of truth. And I believe it hurts people walk with God because some of them think that they're saved and they're not. There's nothing in the Bible that says that you can say a prayer and then that's it. Nothing. There's going to have to be some change that you have to do. You, you cannot, saints of God, say that you are in love with God and you're saved and you remain the same. You're lying to yourself. Every day there's a change that I have to do. Every day that I'm praying, God reveals something to me, something that I need to change. There was a place where I was unloving. There was a place where I was cynical. There was a place where I was unforgiving. And the Spirit of God reveals the dark side of me so that I can repent of it and come to the light side. All of us got some dark in us. Ain't none of us arrived to pure holiness yet. And since all of us got some kind of darkness in us, we all need to repent every day. So the moment you put a pastor up on a pedestal, the moment you're going to get let down. Amen. I ain't on no pedestal. I'm right down here with you. This is why I like walking the floor. Because I'm trying to let you know, I'm just trying to get this thing right myself. Amen, somebody. Amen. And so just because a pastor sins, what? what? Oh, you're going to talk bad about the pastor because he got caught and you didn't. And see, it's easier to talk about somebody that's in the limelight because it's easier. But what are you doing? What if your stuff was exposed? So we're supposed to be covering the churches and covering the pastors with prayer, not exposing that stuff, especially into the world, because the world says, see, that's why I don't go to church today. You see? See, well, this is what I do with people in the world. Yeah, we are full of unperfected people in the house of God, and so is the world. And since you are perfect, maybe you need to come to the church and tell us how to be. Since we, got, we are so messed up, maybe you need to come to the church so you can teach us how to straighten up. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. Can I keep going? This is Romans chapter 6, verse 1 and 2. It says, what shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? That's the question that I pose to you today, saints of God. Shall you continue in sin? So that grace may abound. So in other words, you say, well, I'm going to continue to be hateful because I know God is going to forgive me. That's, that's, that's the question here, saints of God. I'm going to continue to sin. God's got me. And here, here, okay, let me give you the term. He knows my heart. <laughs> I'm sure you've never heard people say that. Uh, did you, were you the one that said it? <laughs> Let me, let me tell you about your heart. Let me tell you what the Bible says about your heart and my heart. So since God knows our hearts, 
Let me just tell you what the Bible says about our hearts. The Bible says that the heart is deceitfully wicked above all. So our hearts are deceitful, saints of God. Our hearts are wicked. If you don't think so, just stay away from the word for a little bit. Stay away from church a little bit. You'll just see how wicked you can get. You'll see you'll start fussing and bickering and arguing about stuff that you used to not argue about. Because why? You moved away from the light of God. And the more you move away from the light, you fall into the darkness. Well, shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Paul says, God forbid. He says, How shall we who died to sin live any longer in it? So in other words, saints of God, let me do some teaching here. When Apostle Paul said in 1 Corinthians said, I die daily. He was not talking about to sin. Because we're dead to sin. Past tense. So when Paul said I die daily, that's present tense. Two different words. What Paul was talking about is not dying to sin. He was talking about dying to self. See, that's the part a lot of Christians, they mess up. I'm dying to sin. I ain't sinning. But are you dying to self? You still selfish. Hey, now listen, I've been selfish. I've been selfish. I've foot up. Amen. So listen, that's why I have to die to jar lofty. We have the diet of this flesh, saints of God. This flesh, listen, when you guys say, I know the song that said, you know, when I got saved, I, I, I looked at my hands and they looked new. I looked at my feet and they did too. Y'all know that old song in the black church? That's the biggest lie I've ever heard in my life. When you got saved, you had the same old corns, crusty hands, and you had that same old bunion on your foot. Nothing is going to change in the natural. You still walking with that bunion on your foot when you got saved. You didn't, that did not change. The only thing that changed was your spirit, man. Your flesh did not get notification that you got saved. So the moment you say, I'm not going to do that anymore, your flesh says, what? What do you mean? We've been doing this for years. We've been lying about this for years. We've been fornicating for years. And what do you mean you're not going to call her tonight at 1130? Talking about you want a Bible study at 1130 at night. Talking about you need some hands. Yes, Lord. Help her to be clothed in a right mind. Praise God. (laughs) That's why I love preaching at this church. I ain't lying. (laughs) Praise God. So, Apostle Paul had the same problem back then. This is not a new thing. People were doing the same things. They wanted to come to church, but they still wanted to sin. So, in other words, you, you wanted to act like you're saved, but you're denying the power thereof. Come on, man. That's mixture. Read my book. It'll get you straight on it. Mixture. God don't like mixture. Check this out in Jude chapter 1. I put chapter 1, but it ain't but one chapter, so it should be just Jude 4. I just want to help y'all out because y'all are like, well, where's chapter 1? There's only one chapter. So check this out. This is Jude 1, 4. Check out what Jude said. For certain men have crept in unnoticed. They slipped in secretly who long ago were marked out for this condemnation. Ungodly men who turn the grace of our God into lewdness and deny the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. Let me, let me give you the translation in the Amplified Bible. Oh, Lord Jesus. Y'all ready for the Amplified Bible? Let me give you the Amplified Bible. The Amplified said, certain people have crept in unnoticed just as if they were sneaking in by a side door. Glory to God. See, y'all might not know how to sneak in by a side door, but some of y'all know how to sneak out by a side door. (laughs) Or a window. (laughs) Can I tell the truth up in here? (laughs) Y'all know y'all heard them keys. (laughs) Hey, go in and run. Oh, you got experience? Oh, okay. You saw it on TV. I know it. 
So listen, it's <laughs> trapped in the closet. That sounds like a message. <laughs> trapped in the closet. Come next Sunday. <laughs> Y'all stop. Let me get the rest of this. So <laughs> Y'all need to stop. Let me preach. <laughs> so, so the Bible says they are ungodly persons whose condemnations was predicted long ago. For they distort the grace of our God into decadence. That, that word is self-indulgence. And immoral freedom, viewing it, listen to this, viewing it as an opportunity to do whatever they want. And deny and disown our only master and Lord Jesus Christ. Another translation says they have turned the grace of God into a license for immorality. Boy, I like that one right there. Praise God. See, this is why I preach the word of God like I do, because, listen, John Lofton wanted to go back and do those little creepy things. But every time I tried to do it, the Holy Ghost said, you can't do that anymore. The moment a Christian stops getting convicted is the moment you are in trouble. See, you should have another God to get convicted when you know you're doing wrong. Listen, you don't even need the Bible to know when you do wrong. Come on, we know we have a moral compass inside of us because we didn't, first of all, we didn't come from a big bang. And we definitely didn't come from monkeys either. I know some of us hang by our tails, but we're not monkeys, amen? So, so we didn't come from monkeys because we didn't evolve. Macroevolution is a lie. And if we did evolve, why aren't we still evolving? Shouldn't we be something else by now? Shouldn't we be back monkeys? Why did it stop as a man? If evolution is real, what should we be tomorrow? Ask the scientist this. Go to your professor and say, well, if, if that's real, then what are we involving into now? We should be something different now, like something like look, something look like jello or something. Super, we should be like, should be like Captain America, something. <laughs> one to one. We should be involving into something, right, guys? Listen, this is just basic stuff. Why aren't we still evolving? That's why we were made by a creator, right? You, you have a purpose. And because you were made by a divine creator, you have a moral compass because you know that murder is wrong and you don't even have to read the Bible. Murder is wrong because it's wrong. You know that. Hurting people is wrong because you know that intrinsically. Nobody has to tell you when something is wrong. Even, listen, even a child, when you tell them no, they know it. That's why they keep doing it. No, they go right to it, right? But they know they shouldn't be doing it. You know what it is? They're little sinners. <laughs> right? Right, they're little sinners. You have to teach them to do right. But once they get to the point of learning and knowledge, then they have to learn how to do right on their own. That's why you can't keep raising your child and they 20. That's, you, that's over. You can't raise no 20-year-old. That's a, that's a done deal. You got to raise them when they're little bitty things. That's why we're trying to raise these children right now so that they can form the right ideologies about things and life and things that they need to, choices that they need to make. Am I talking to the right people now? I can't raise no 20-year-old. Me and him, we're going we to probably go for some blows. Because one thing, you sometimes you have to teach people to respect you. Amen. And I ain't, I'm not advocating abuse, so let me go ahead and clean this thing up. And say, the pastor was talking about going for some blows. You'll see what I'm saying. All I know is, in my house, there's going to be order in my house. And you're not going to come in my house thinking you're going to be grown up in my house. You know, the problem that I see with a lot of parenting today, let me help the teachers out. I'm going to get back on this in a second. But let me help the teachers out right now, because I know the teachers got the same problem. The problem that we have with parents today is they're too busy trying to be friends with their children and not being parents. Amen. Can I get an amen from the teachers? Amen. You ain't my friend. You're my child. If they're your friends, they can come in and say anything they want to say, disrespect you. They don't say yes. You know, what's wrong with kids saying yes, ma'am, and no, ma'am? At least not in here because they're going to tell me yes, ma'am, and no, ma'am, even if they're your kids. Because I, I don't tolerate that kind of mess. When you talk to my wife, you're going to say yes, ma'am, no, ma'am. Your kids too. I'm just letting y'all know. I'm going to say, no, what, what did you just say to my wife? And if they come to you and say, well, pastor was kind of mean to me. 
Well, you bring that mess to me and I'll tell you, no, he said no to me or she said no. It's no, sir. Yes, sir. Everybody good with that? Amen. All right, then we're going to be good. If you ain't good with it, you ain't going to last in here. Yes, sir. <laughs> 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 Amen, somebody. Right? Because this, this is, you know, you got to respect your elders. That's what I learned when I was in school. My parents taught me this. You respect your elders, man. And it's just, people are just so disrespectful nowadays. There's no respect today. Parents, you're responsible for doing this. Amen. The, the church is not responsible for this. You are. And listen, and stop blaming the church when your kids out there doing stuff wrong. That ain't our fault. Right? So we only get, get your kids for a little while. But the parents are ultimate, ultimately responsible for raising your children. Amen? Amen. Hey, hey, hello? Amen. Listen, teachers are not responsible for raising your children. See, see, the teachers are loving me today, boy. I ain't lying. They're just like, man, finally, somebody preaching on that in church. <laughs> I'm, just trying to, I'm just trying to help you out. Amen? The school, school system, they're getting ready to start all over. And so, listen, it, it's, it's your responsibility. Amen? Check this out. Let me give you some more word. Galatians chapter 1, verse 6. See, a lot of times people think that this greasy grace teaching that you can do anything you want to do and it's all right. Apostle Paul has some word on this. Paul says, I am astonished, disappointed even, that you have so quickly deserted him who called you into the grace of Christ and are following a different way that pretends to be the good news. So in other words, Paul was dealing with people who were trying to operate in a different gospel, but, but it wasn't the gospel. The different gospel was, I can say and do anything I want, and I don't have to worry about repenting about it. That is not the gospel of God, right? At some point, saints of God, if you know you're doing wrong, you should repent about it. And we all do wrong every day. Now, I'm just saying, we, we, if you think about it, you'll know. Amen. If you read this Bible, you'll see how much wrong you've been doing. That's, I'm, that's why sometimes I put it down. <laughs> uh, can I be real with you guys? I sometimes put it down because I'm like, Lord, wait a minute. I ain't ready for that. I still want I still want to be selfish right there. You know what I'm saying? Hey, am I the only one? Oh, listen, listen, I got I got listen. I got pockets that uh, <laughs> that I protect. Some of you guys got pockets, too. You know that, that place where you don't want God to see? <laughs> you still, wait a minute, God, I still want to be hateful about that one. Yeah, yeah, God, you know what they did to me. Come on, somebody. God, you know what they did to me. I don't, I don't want to give that up yet. You mean I got to forgive them? No, no, I'm, I'm going to keep that, Lord. We're going to talk about that one next year. <laughs> Am I talking to the right people today? We do that sometimes. Amen. But listen, Paul, Paul is saying, listen, I am. A and um, another uh, translation said, I marvel that you have gone to another gospel rather than the gospel that I preach. See, saints of God, there's only one gospel. This is what we got to understand. There's only one good news, and it's the good news of Jesus Christ. And Jesus requires us to live right. Amen. But I got some good news. Can I give you some good news? I, I'm going to go to Old Testament on you. Let me go Old Testament on you. Because I told you, man, this, this, you're going to get the Bible up in here. Micah. Micah is one of the minor prophets. It's minor not because the books are insignificant. It's minor because the books are small. Micah is probably in the part of the Bible where your pages are stuck together. <laughs> <laughs> At least in my Bible, it's like that. So it says, do not rejoice over me, O my enemy. Though I fall, I, come on, saints of God. Say, I want to give you some encouragement. Though I fall... I will rise again. Look at your neighbor and say, you might fall, but you will rise again. He goes on to say this. He says, though I sit in darkness. See, see, but, but hold on. In my Bible, my translation says, though I sit in darkness, it's temporary. That's in my Bible. It's not in your Bible. I have a ghetto Bible. So in my Bible, my Bible says, though I sit in darkness, it's temporary. Right. So you're not going to stay there even if you got there. He says, because the Lord. Because this right here, God will never define you by your mistakes. He uses your mistakes to refine you. 
I hope that's a blessing to somebody. Because I've made a lot of mistakes in my life, guys. A lot of mistakes. And I'm just so thankful that God does not define me by my mistakes. But he took my mistakes and he refined me. He refined me to be the man that you see before you today. Because I promise you, I promise you, if you had met me 15 years ago, none of you would like me. None of you would like me. Bless you. I had to be refined. I was rough. I was a rough neck, cussing, drinking, didn't like anybody. That, that's, that was my life. I just, stuff that happened in my life, and I just angry at everybody, mad at the whole world, thought everybody owed me something. That was my life. But then when I got to God, he just showed me how complete depraved I was and how much I needed him. You hear me, Terry? It's like I hit rock bottom, and that alcohol bottle couldn't give me what I was looking for anymore. And so I was trying to find my life through alcohol, and I failed every time. Been there, done that. But boy, when I came to God, right, Sam? See, see, Sam, me and you, Terry, we right there, see, with that bottle, right? But when we got to God, he showed us that he had a plan for us. That was greater than drinking. Come on, somebody. I know somebody in here can relate to what I'm talking about right now. That God has a plan for your life that's greater than anything that you can reach out to in the flesh. It's greater than all of that. That's his great grace. That's what brought me out, saints of God. I didn't go to a 12-step program. I took one step to Jesus. And Jesus took the taste out of my mouth. And I hadn't, I, that, that right there is called deliverance. See, deliverance is not we going to conference after conference after conference because all you're doing is getting full of other devils. Because if you were delivered, why you keep going to conferences? Aren't you delivered? What you going for? Oh, I got something else I need to be delivered from. <laughs> yeah, because every time you go, they give you another devil. Okay, all right, that's another subject. Okay, so we're being refined, guys. We're being refined. So listen, check this out. Great grace says this, that you may be hard-pressed on every side, but you're not crushed. Great grace says you may have been perplexed, but you're not in despair. Great grace says that you may have been persecuted, but you're not forsaken. Great grace says you may have been struck down, but you are not destroyed. Great grace says you may have been disrupted, but you are not dislocated. Great grace says you may have failed, but you are not a failure. Great grace says you may have been damaged, but you are not defeated. Great grace says you might have been violated, but you are not a victim. Great grace says that your call is greater than your fall. That's somebody shout great grace. That's great grace right there, saints of God. So let me just give you some key qualities and let's go home. We're almost done. So let me give you these key qualities to having great grace and we're out of here. But what I want you to do, I want you to, we're going to have to go in the Bible. Can we go in the Bible? I want you to see this. Go to John 13. So we're going to go quickly. I'm going to read quickly. So you're going to have to listen quickly. <laughs> I'm going to read fast so you can listen fast. John 13. And we'll give you this first quality. John 13, we're going to start reading at verse 1. The Gospel of John. Now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come, that he should depart from this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. And supper being ended, the devil having already put it into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him. Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands, and that he had come from God and was going to God, rose from supper, laid aside his garments and took a towel and girded himself. And after that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and wipe them with the towel with which he was girded. Then he came to Simon and Peter said, Lord, are you washing my feet? And Jesus answered and said to him, what are you doing? What am I doing? What am I doing? Wait a minute. What am I doing? You do not understand now. Okay. But that's why I don't like the King James Version. But what I am doing, you do not understand now. I'm sure that's how he said it too. 
because they were probably looking at him like I was just trying to read that. So, but you will know after this. And Peter said to him, you shall never wash my feet, Jesus answered him and said, if I don't wash your feet, you have no part with me. Then Peter said, wash my whole body. So I'm not going to get into all of that. <laughs> Peter, uh, I would have said the same thing. So Jesus washed the disciples' feet, including Judas. See, I want you to see this because Judas is the one that betrayed Jesus. Jesus already knew that Judas was going to betray him, but Jesus washed Judas' feet anyway. So the first thing about grace is grace chooses to love even when those who love, who, who you love, chooses to hurt you. Grace chooses to love even when those you love chooses to hurt you. Now, somebody say great grace. Because what if, what if somebody that you were helping, God gave you a supernatural understanding that they were going to stab you in your back tomorrow. Would you help them today? Somebody said great grace. See, this is where Jesus was. Jesus knew what Judas did, but he still undergirded himself, got on his knees and washed the disciples' dirty feet. Now, listen, let me just tell you something. When they walked around back then, they walked in sandals. So the streets was full of dust, and y'all, y'all, I ain't going to say the word, but y'all know the word? Dung. That's a good word. But, you know, normally I'll say something else. Yeah, yeah, you know what I'm saying? You know, back in the day, y'all call it something else, right? You, you, you know what I'm saying? You, you know, y'all know what I'm saying? Stinky stuff, right? So that's why they stepped in all day. And then now you got stinky stuff and, and dust and dirt and all kinds of stuff on their feet. Jesus got down and Jesus is the Lord of glory. He got down, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, got down and washed the disciples' feet to show them that, listen, I choose to love you even when you choose to hurt me. That's why when he was on the cross, he looked down. He said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. He said, I choose to love you even though you put me on the cross. That ain't that deep? That's grace. That's right. That's right. And we need to give grace to more people. You love them in spite of them. Come on, somebody. I think we need a little more grace in this area. Okay, let me make this personal. I know I need a little bit more grace in this area. Glory to God. <laughs> double, double. <laughs> Amen. So grace chooses to love even when those you love chooses to hurt you. So let's go to the next one here. Let's go to Mark chapter 5. Turn left. Go to Mark 5. I'm, like I said, I'm reading fast, so we've got to listen fast. Go to Mark chapter 5, verse 25. Everybody knows this story. We're going to read uh, 25 to 28. Mark 5, 25 to 28. Mark chapter 5, 25 to 28. You get that? Say, I have it. Okay, it says, and, and most of us know this story about the woman with an issue. Verse 25 says, now a certain woman had a flow of blood for 12 years and had suffered many things from many physicians. She had spent all that she had and all that she had and, there, and was nothing better, but rather she grew worse. So in other words, saints of God, it, she must have had a lot of money because it took her 12 years to go broke. Right? So she spent everything she had, but it took her 12 years to go broke. Y'all hear that? So the, the chick had some money. Verse 27 says, but when she heard about Jesus, see, sometimes you just got to hear something. It said, but when she heard about Jesus, she came behind him in the crowd and, and, uh, and, and touched his garment. Check this out. Verse 28. For she said, if I may touch his clothes, I shall be made well or whole, right? Notice she's talking to herself. Sometimes you got to talk to yourself. See, sometimes you got to turn the TV off. You got to get off of social media. You got to get off of Facebook and put your face in this book. And you're going to have to talk to yourself and say, look here, I'm not going to stay like this. Say, I am sick and tired of being sick and tired, and I am not going to stay in this condition anymore. This woman had to talk to herself and said, I know that I've grown worse trying to go to these natural doctors, but I heard something about Jesus. And the Bible said that this woman got in the press and she touched his clothes. And she said, because she spoke to herself, she spoke faith first. 
She spoke faith to herself first, and then her situation found faith. Come on, somebody. And sometimes you're going to have to build up faith in yourself so that your situation can catch up to you. So let me give you the second one. This is the second one. Grace chooses to heal when all other plans fail. When all other plans fail, everything fail. For 12 years, she grew worse when she went to the doctors. Grace says, you know what? I got something better than their plan. And Grace chooses to heal when all other plans fail. And saints of God, let me tell you something. I have experienced this in my life personally. That Grace chose to heal me when all other plans fail. Man, grace, great, grace is a big thing, man. It's, not, it's more than just redemptive. It's more than just getting you out of stuff. Grace helps us to advance the cause of Christ because we all got issues. You know, this woman had an issue, but we all have issues that need to be healed, right? Financial issues, marriage issues, relationship issues. But you can, you can, you can, you can go to God and God says, listen, what I got for you is much bigger than all of your issues because where grace abounds, where sin abounds, grace does much more abound. Are you hearing me here? Grace chooses to heal when all of the plans fail. Go to Mark chapter 4. Turn right. Mark 4. Everybody all right? I know we're reading a lot of Bible, but we are in church. Mark chapter 4, verse 35. When you get there, say, I have it. We're going to read 35, and a couple of verses there. It says, on the same day the evening had come, he said to them, let us cross over to the other side. Now, when they had left the multitude, they took him along in the boat as he was. And the other little boats were also with him. And a great windstorm arose and the waves beat into the boat so that it was already filling. But he was in the stern asleep on a pillow. Check this out. Man, there was a storm and Jesus was sleeping on a pillow. I mean, why they put pillow in there? Right. You had to let us know that he was comfortable in this situation. Right. While well, the rest of them was like, oh, oh, Lord, Jesus was like sleep. Snoring. Right. He probably had on a zipa. And so but he was in the stern asleep on a pillow and they awoke him and said to him, teacher, do you not care that we're perishing? <laughs> that's, just, that's just so selfish. Right. He's sleep and they complaining to him because he's sleeping. And they say, careth not that we perish. That's a little cynical, isn't it? I mean, I mean, I'm just, I put myself in the storm like, man, that's, <laughs> you know, that's Jesus you're talking to, right? You know, that's the Lord. This is care, not that we perish. Then he arose and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, peace, be still. And the wind ceased and there was a great calm. And he said to them, why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? Wow. <laughs> that's pretty strong right there. So, in other words, this, this, let, me give you the, let me give you the third one. Grace chooses the comfort when fear is overwhelmed. Grace is so amazing that it gives us peace in the midst of our storms. See, because he is the prince of peace and he's full of grace, he had no reason to be overwhelmed by everything that was going on. And see, the storms may brew around you, saints of God, but you can still have peace in the midst of the storm. Why? Because you got grace. You know God is going to take care of it. In other words... Jesus got up and he did what? He spoke to his storm. And sometimes, saints of God, you're going to have to stand up against your storm and speak to it. Amen. You're going to have the commander to get out of your house, get out of your finances, you're away from your children, away from your marriage. At some point, you're going to have to grow up, put on the big boy drawers and big girl panties, and you're going to have to take a stand against the devil and say, no, not in my house, not with my children, not in my finances, because the grace of God is on my life, and I can speak to a situation and command it to leave. Amen. See, that's the power that you have. You have great power and great grace. And we just, we're just so weak as Christians. No, man, you got the power to do all of this. Don't be overwhelmed by things that go on. And see, there are always going to be people that come around you. They're going to be overwhelmed by stuff. But you can take comfort, man, that everything is going to be all right. I have to tell myself that, especially the situation we're in right now, that everything is going to be all right, even though I want to choke somebody out last week. I know y'all were praying. I know y'all were praying. I ain't lying. I know y'all were praying for me because I had, I, I mm, y'all, you know what I'm talking about? 
Some of y'all were right there last week with me. I know I'm not by myself. Am I by myself? Oh, okay. I got three. So, so yeah, I was right there. But, man, I, I needed to step back for a second and say, oh, no, no, no. Great grace is on my life. Now, I know this is going to work out. I know things are going to work out because I have great grace on my life. I, for a second, I forgot who I was. Right? And the Lord had to remind me, son, don't you know you're the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus? You're my son. I got this. Amen? Amen. Even the ones that are preaching to you sometimes don't have faith. But pride won't, tell, won't let, let them tell you that. That's why I'm honest with you, man. I was right. Y'all, we would have had to put our prison ministry in place real quick. <laughs> Grace chooses to comfort when fears overwhelm. Let's get this other man. Give me, give me a few more minutes. I got to get all these out because I want to finish this thing up. Is that all right? All right, go to Mark chapter 14 real quick. Mark chapter 14. I want to give this to you guys. I don't because I want to finish this out. Thank you for your patience today. Mark chapter 14, verse 3. Mark chapter 14, verse 3 says, And being in Bethany at the house of Simon the leper, and he, Jesus, sat at the table, and a woman came having an alabaster flask of very costly oil of spikenard. Then she broke the flask and poured it on Jesus' feet. I mean, sorry, Jesus' head. And there was some. Check this out right here verse 4 and there was some who were indignant among themselves and said why was this fragrant oil wasted notice notice what she called worship they call waste let me help you sometime when you're in the house of God and you worshiping sometimes the people that don't know why you're worshiping look at it as waste because they may not know what you're going through and while you're worshiping and you're weeping, they're looking at you and saying, what's wrong with them? But they may not know what you're going through. And just because it was your winter today and it's their summer now, at some point, they're going to have a winter. Because I already told you, God is going to get your attention by revelation or tribulation. You're gonna, God is going to get to know you one way or the other by revelation or by tribulation. I just ask God, just show me, Lord, so I can get it. But I have learned more about the Lord through my tribulation than I have by revelation. Amen. Am I talking to the right people here? Amen. So, so they said this was waste. Why is this woman doing this? For it might have been sold for more than 300 denarii and given to the poor. They ain't had a poor on their minds. Now they all of a sudden they're thinking about the poor. They ain't had a, and they criticized her sharply. Did you see that? So, but let me tell you what Jesus said. Jesus said this, let her alone. Why do you trouble her? She has done a good work for me. So this is what grace is. Grace chooses to affirm when others criticize. Grace chooses to affirm when others criticize. This is why I don't criticize preachers or churches. Because I choose this. I choose to affirm them. I choose this. <laughs> That's the Alabama education. I'm sorry. I choose this. <laughs> Y'all should have said God bless you. <laughs> I choose to affirm <laughs> when others criticize. See, y'all criticizing me. I'm going to affirm you, though. Amen. See, I, I got that thing down. <laughs> so there are times when you're going to be put in situations where people are going to be criticizing other people, and then you're going to have to make a choice. Are you going to get into that same situation and start criticizing also, or are you going to step back and say, you know what, let's just pray for them? Because, see, the moment you step back and say, let's just pray for them, they don't even want to talk anymore. Because people who like criticizing other people, they just like hearing themselves talk. Right? So the moment you take a stand, especially in the house of God, the moment you take a stand and you're talking about another Christian, especially in this church, you say, well, let's take a moment and pray for them. Oh, no, no. I don't, you know. Then they don't want to resolve the situation. Right? You just want to talk. Busybody in other men's business. Right? You got diarrhea in the mouth, just running. <laughs> Dang, did I say that out loud? You did. <sighs> I'm sorry. I just had a mental picture, my bad. But grace chooses to affirm when all others criticize. It's the last one. Thank you for your patience. It's the last one. Is this making sense at all, guys? I know I'm going fast, but I think this makes sense. This makes sense to me. Okay, y'all want the last one? Mark chapter 5, verse 21. Go back to five. So we in Mark, man. We're tearing this book up. Mark 5, 21. 
Okay, let's see this, and, and I'm done. I'm going to read this. Now, when Jesus had crossed over again uh, by boat to the other side, a great multitude gathered to him, and he was by the sea. And behold, one of the rulers of the synagogue came. His name was Jairus by name. And when he saw him, when he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet. See, you got to know how to worship the Lord of glory. And he begged him earnestly, saying, My daughter lies at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her that she may be healed and she will live. Now, this man was uh, a man that really didn't believe in Jesus Christ, but he but he saw some things that Jesus did. He had faith in what he saw. This man said, come, lay your hands on my daughter and she will live. So he had faith in what Jesus could do. He had faith in what Jesus could do let's drop down to verse 35 now they're on their way jesus said i'm gonna i'm coming to your house so they're on the way to the house right something happens this woman with an issue that we talked about y'all remember the woman with an issue of blood this is when she stepped in so jesus said i'll go to your house gyrus i'm a paraphrase for the sake of time jesus said okay let's go to your house i'll lay hands on your daughter 12 year old daughter on their way to gyrus's house this woman with an issue of blood came in and crept behind Jesus and touched the hem of his garment. So that delayed. <laughs> so that delayed Jesus getting to Jairus' house. Because now Jesus has the minister because he turned around and said, who touched me? Right. And so the disciples, crazy jokers, they say, well, uh, Jesus, we all are touching you. What are you talking about? He said, no, I know you touching me, but somebody else touched me with some faith. That lets you know that you can be around Jesus but never get a touch. Because if you don't touch him with some faith, you're not going to feel what everybody else is feeling. We got too many people that want to be around him but don't really want to touch him. They want to just go to church. That's all I want. I feel good because I came to church. No, you, you're going to have to get to know Jesus. Just coming to church ain't enough. Just reading the Bible is not enough. You're going to have to get to know him intimately. So anyway, I digress. So. Jesus ministers and calls this woman daughter. Great is your faith. Set that woman on the pinnacle. He said, listen, you my daughter. I have never seen this kind of faith before. Girl, you all right with me. He didn't say that. That's my Bible. So now check this out. As he finishes ministering to her, somebody comes running from Jairus's house and said, listen, don't bother the master. She's dead. So let me give you the last one. Grace chooses to trust in God, even when circumstances lead you to believe there's nothing to trust in. People came from Jairus' house and said, listen, don't bother the master. She's dead. And you know what Jesus said? He didn't even give Jairus an opportunity to respond. Okay, I'm paraphrasing. You're going to have to go back and read it. Jesus left from ministering about this woman and turned to Jairus and said, have faith in God. Why? Because grace chooses to trust in God even when circumstances lead you to believe there's nothing to trust in. He didn't want Jairus to trust in the report. He was trying to take Jairus back to the beginning when he had faith when he worshiped Jesus in the first place. Saints, I'm trying to tell you something here. You may come to church and you worship and you have a great experience doing worship. And the moment you leave the church, there's somebody coming to say something in your ear to make you not trust God and what you just confirmed by the power of God in worship. I'm trying to help you here. Had a great experience. And as soon as you have a great experience, here come that phone call. Somebody calling you on the cell. And then all of a sudden, boom, you just lost. But let me tell you something. Grace trusts in God anyway. That's why he said have faith in God. Listen. Have faith in God, not in the report. I said, have faith in God, not in the report. Have faith in God, not in the report. Does this help somebody? Come on and give him a praise. We hope you've been blessed by today's powerful teaching. Thank you for your continued prayers and financial support of this ministry. Visit us in person at 5805 West Highway 74 in Indian Trail, North Carolina. That's near Lowe's Hardware. 
Or you can find us on the web at www.changeatc3.org. That's change, C-H-A-N-G-E-A-T-C, the number three, dot org. Or call us at 704-821-7368. Covenant Community Church, where the truth is revealed.